they can't be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm East Bound, just like a bandit run. Dateline, Sunday, August 27th, sometime in the afternoon. We are back. Welcome to Houndstooth Heroes. Joining you from the Alabama football hotbeds of Nashville, Tennessee, and Taos, New Mexico, I'm Greg Dawkins, and he is Ellis Metz, and we are the Houndstooth Heroes, brought to you by Druid City Brewing Company and Wild Bill's Wing Sauce. Back from hiatus, some may call it a paternity leave. Tell us what's been up with you in the off-season, Metz. Describe for me your failures. Boy, Gregory, where to begin? Uh, it's great to be back, and it's great to hear your lovely voice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as, as you mentioned, there has been a paternity leave, and what can I say about the pressures of fatherhood that Auburn fans didn't yell at Gene Chizik on the tarmac? I hear it again constantly in my head. We want a leader, not a loser. So failures so far are in that department. Uh, also included sleep, showing up anywhere on time, looking like a, a half-decent person. Uh, but but that's been the gist of it. You know, it has been a joy for my wife and I. We welcomed Tate to the world in April. He's got some good gump gear picked out. And I got to say, I'm excited for him uh, to kind of start to get a feel for the program. And hopefully, uh, maybe even by season's end, have a little segment of Tate's Takes coming up. Oh, huh? I like it, and I like it a lot. Yes. Uh, we'll catch the listener. Hey, Fred. Yeah, hey, listener Fred. Good to be back. Uh, on what's going up with you? Well, let's see. Uh, when last we spoke, I was living the high life in Antipa, Guatemala, but somehow somebody got dumb enough to offer me a job in these great states of the United. And so now I am uh, in Taos, New Mexico, Uh live in the Rocky Mountain High, defending the wrongfully accused. Um, So there's literally nothing to do here, so I sit at home alone and drink. Speaking of, what are you enjoying for a beverage this afternoon, Mr. Metz? Favorite hobbies. Uh, I am (laughs) blessed to be enjoying a High Lie from Cigar City. Obviously, you know, tried to get a Florida slanted beer, and I think it's maybe the only place High Lie is still a thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what I went with, yourself. Urban Sun is football season. Um, yeah, exactly. When uh, let's go ahead and let's get started. Let's talk about the Knowles. When last we met, it was uh, in Jacksonville in the beginning of the Saban tenure, and it was the most boring and the hottest game I've ever ent- attended. And fittingly, both teams had to vacate it. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, what do we hate about them? I'm sure. Oh boy, let me. Un- unleash my scroll here. Unscroll my scroll. Uh, yeah, you've got to start with hashtag FSU Twitter, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and if anybody has been exposed to this vile piece of the interwebs, uh, I just express my sincere condolences. Uh, they've been emboldened in recent years, obviously, and they were the first to uh, take to the defense of one Alabama native, Jameis Winston, who I think is probably another on the list of long list of things to hate, uh, you know, for for reasons we won't go into on this family friendly podcast. Uh, Obviously, there is a chant that is associated with Florida State, which they obviously created. 
and it was then stolen by the Atlanta Braves. But now the Braves own it. You know, we've got to give it to the Braves because because they stole it and now they own well, it. And that's were, how things I work. thought you were talking about an entirely different chant. Uh, go with the acronym F uh, H R I P. More closely affiliated with Jamis. That's true. And lastly, I'm just going to throw out there that they have a circus school. And Gregory, I know how you feel about clowns. Dude, you have no idea. Um, I hate them for the I hate them for the clown college. But more than that, I hate them because they were they were once a teacher's college. But everybody is there is dumb, so I don't think it really worked out for them. Uh, but the main thing I'm really on fire about right now is Jimbo's hair. He got himself a divorce and then grew a head full of hair. So I'm not really appreciating that kind of vanity and lack of focus. That's true. I mean, our coach couldn't even make time for a solar eclipse. Right. <laughs> exactly. I've heard about it. I've seen it on the TV. I don't really need to see it in person. I like the way he wa- he operates. Yes. But, well, uh, sorry for the background noise, but there is a contest before us I think we should address. And first, right. while we're talking about the Knowles, let's talk about the Knowles when Alabama has the ball. Let's do that. But first, let's introduce – we have uh, – we're springing something on you guys. We have a special live Noel guest. Uh, we got Rob Brown on here. How you, you here, Rob? Fellas, it is great to be able to sit here and listen to you bash my school for the last five <laughs> minutes and not be able to respond. Thank you so much for that. It's an honor to be here. That's what we're here for. Tell us what's going on with you right now, Rob. Well, what are you doing? I, I, uh, a couple of things. First off, you didn't ask. I'm going to tell you anyway. Captain Morgan and Sprite. It is my traditional Sunday night drink of choice. Uh, because I, I feel like the next 30 to 45 minutes of my life are going to be just bad decision after bad decision. So I've started early. Uh, second off, I want to put – there's no clowns at our circus, damn it. It's a professional high-class circus. We have like acrobats and trapezes and stuff like that. There's no clowns, man. Strippers. It's not a – listen, it's – we. I mean, it's, they work two jobs, Greg. they got to put themselves through school somehow. Okay, Skills better suited for Tallahassee, obviously. And are you really mad at Jimbo's hair for pulling a LeBron James because it decided to take its talents closer to the front of his head instead of to the back? I, I, mean, I, I feel like that's just jealousy. Embrace right? the ball, Jimbo. Embrace the ball. Embrace the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you if you if you if you are focused on the hair, uh, you are then you are not one hundred percent breaking down film. So look, I, I feel like it's an advantage. If you are going to sit around and worry about your hair all day, more power to you, son. But that's that's 45 minutes of film we got on you. So whatever. Fair enough. Do your thing, Jimbo. All yeah, right. I will say I will say one more thing. And, and it is it is a it is a kumbaya. It is a coming together of of me and you two gentlemen. And it is this hashtag FSU Twitter does indeed suck. You are correct. I am a knoll and I hate FSU Twitter. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I know about the defense. Uh, when Alabama has the ball, here's what I know. I know that last year the Knowles defense was an abject disaster. The offense had to bail them out of most games. Ole Miss, North Carolina State, Miami, they all had leads, and they really had no answer for Deshaun Watson and Lamar, Lamar Jackson. But from what I understand, Jimbo Fisher's best defense is rolling in this year. What in the world is that? That's a dog, and I apologize in <laughs> advance. I don't know if you have those out in New Mexico, but I have them here in my office. So. All right. Well, last year they lost all world safety Derwin James last year to a knee injury, uh, which, to be honest, would be a big blow to any defense. Uh, but James, 
uh, showed back up this spring as FSU's leader and could be the best defensive player in the country, to be honest with you. Uh, the Knowles have had four, uh, should have, four first-round draft picks on their defense. James, defensive end Josh Sweat, defensive tackle Derek Noddy, and cornerback Tavarius McFadden, plus a ton of senior leadership. Now, the question is whether Charles Kelly, the defensive coordinator, can channel all that talent into performance because he certainly did not last year. Rob, give me your takes on the, uh, the Knowles D. I'm going to say this after that game against Louisville last year, if the hate of an entire fan base could be focused into one laser, we could have blasted through the surface of the earth with it. Uh, And that hate was all centered on the forehead of Charles Kelly. The beginning of the year, the defense was uh, to to say an embarrassment would be uh, very kind. And then it kind of culminated with that 63 point embarrassment that happened against Louisville. But there was almost a, a, a complete role reversal moving after that. You had the USF game and you had the Carolina game. Remember, the Carolina game, they lost Derwin James right before that Carolina game. And if it wasn't for one or two big plays over the middle, that James would have likely been the guy to stop. They wouldn't have lost that game. And who knows how the season goes. But after that, Florida State held their opponents to 4.6 yards per play over the last eight games of the season. And the only teams uh, that really had any success were NC State, which was in Raleigh, and, of course, Clemson, who went on to – well, you guys know what Clemson went on to do. I don't have to go down that road. All right. Uh, so the, 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 the Knowles, while they sucked, to be honest, at the beginning of the year – ended up arguably as one of the best six or seven defenses at the end of the year in the country. And they get Derwin James back and they have so many guys returning up front. You just mentioned four guys who are arguable first or second round picks next year. So, you know, this is a team that I think last year Broccoli. had a, uh, had a proverbial boot planted square in their proverbial rear ends. And I think that lesson got learned. I would be really interested to see how that FSU Louisville game in Tallahassee turns out this year. But, you know, listen, running the ball on FSU last year wasn't impossible, but it wasn't easy. The good news for you guys is that throwing against Florida State will be difficult this year. I think the success of any offense is going to be predicated on being able to get you four or five yards per run. And if there's one team on the schedule that looks like they're set up to do just that, it's going to be you guys this year. So, you know, the the strength of Florida State, unfortunately, is not going to take away the strength of Bama's offense. So that one is one difficult game. But the rest of the year, there's not many teams on Florida State's schedule in the back end that really scare me being able to consistently run the ball the way you'll have to to be able to beat the Knolls. We don't care about the rest of your year. Yeah, um, I know you don't. <laughs> hey, Matt, you still are you are you still being a single care uh, caretaker for a child? I or am, but talk about. Can I'm, you talk I'm about the offense? With Tate, and we're going to give Tate's takes prematurely, uh, <laughs> and talk about when the Knolls do have the ball. So. They returned 20 starters, as mentioned, from last year's team, but only two skill position players, and that would be, of course, uh, sophomore quarterback DeAndre Francois, redshirt sophomore, I believe, and uh, he, we, we think he's somewhere in from the Paris region. We haven't looked into it, but seems French. Uh, yeah. And they have lost Dalvin Cook as well as the entire wide receiving core, which will obviously be hard to replace, but a good start there would be Cam Akers, the five-star recruit from Tennessee, who they nabbed, and another Frenchman, uh, a, a compatriot of DeAndre Francois, and Jacques Patrick, 
Uh, Patrick is the experience back here, but Akers, again, is the one who will be getting the attention and the publicity heading into the game. Uh, on the line, they have several players returning from offseason surgery, as well as, I believe, a center out with a scooter injury. Right. The proverbial scooter injury. That is the greatest sentence that's ever been talked about in a football definition. <laughs> scooter and the scooter injury. All right. What are, what are your takes on it, Rob? What are, what are, what are we what are we looking for when the Knowles have the ball? Well, obviously, uh, Sexy Metsy hit on the number one issue, which is the entire wide receiver core is gone. And Dalvin Cook is gone. The guy was good. There's no doubt. Now, the good news about FSU is I think that we have over the past couple of years really been able to stock up on running backs. I don't know that you can replace Dalvin Cook, but you can still get production elsewhere, which is the good news. Obviously, there's two things that concern me. And I'll get to those in a second, but I want to point out one thing last year, because we all talked about how, you know, Florida state's defense. And, and that was the highlight last year, Florida state played eight top 25 defenses last year and averaged 28 points per game in those games, 5.8 yards per play in those games. They put half of their schedule uh, was made up of teams that were inside of the top 10. They played three top six defenses, Against those three top six defenses, they averaged thirty. This is a lot of math, Rob. This is a lot. I, well, I know, listen. I, I I can't put very much on the table. I can read numbers sometimes, so I take what I can get. You know, uh, against uh, against three top six defenses, thirty two points, six point three yards per play. So they were a really good team. If you can have, let's say, seventy five percent of that offensive production this year, you'll still have a really, really good football team. And I think that's the good news. I will also say, and I may be biased on this. I'll let you guys tell me uh, when I am done with said dissertation, I think Jimbo Fisher might want to be one of the best in game X's and O coaches in all of college football. There's coaches that win in the off season. There's coaches that win on the recruiting trail and there's coaches who can make great in game adjustments. And I think Jimbo is, uh, is one of the best in game X's and O guys uh, in all of football. But you're right. When you are losing uh, as many outstanding wide receivers as FSU did, you've got to, to try to find that balance. Now, I will also say this. Last year, between Murray and Tate, who were the two wide receivers that are going to be taking over this year, their per-target production was the highest. They were number one and two in terms of per-target production of FSU's top receivers last year. So when you did throw the ball to Murray and Tate, you had two guys that caught the ball and were able to come up with the yards after catch. So if they can turn that production into consistency at the one and two, uh, then I think you're in, you're in better shape than you think. But I think the other thing that's interesting is that Ryan Izzo and Marvin Saunders, who are the two tight ends for Florida State, they're not quite Nick O'Leary level. But these two guys last year both caught combined 45, uh, 45 for 409 yards. These are guys who can catch the ball and get up the field. That means they're going to be able to keep linebackers honest at the front. You're not going to be able to give tight ends room to work because they will catch the ball and score and then I think Mets hit on the number one name to keep an eye on this year, which is Cam Akers, the number two overall prospect in the 017 signing class. He, uh, I, I will tell you this, uh, two weeks ago at our FSU Booster Club meeting, we had a couple of uh, former players who were helping with the team come over. And when I talked to them all independently of each other, every one of them said Cam Akers is even better than he is being advertised as. He may absolutely be the key to this offense this year. 
Uh, I would tell you guys as Bama fans, as much as you're going to want to attack Francois to attack a very questionable offensive line that you guys may literally murder Francois if our offensive line does not get better. But as much as you're going to want to key in on Francois, if you don't keep acres contained between the tackles, this guy, if he's as good as they're saying he is in Tallahassee and it's offseason talk, who knows? But if he's as good as he's being made out to be, he may bust one or two open and put everybody we play in a hole that they don't know how to dig out of early. So it's, it's not like Dalvin's gone. We don't have to worry about the run game. He is a young guy. He is a freshman. It's, I mean, leading off against Bama is a challenge for anybody, but they're saying he's as good as advertised and may long-term be just as good as Dalvin cook, if not better. So I would keep a real close eye on him as the season progresses. All right, we'll do. Uh, we've talked enough about the horrible people from Tallahassee. Hey, Metsy, you want to talk about the Tide? Let's talk about the Tide because right now it sure sounds like the Knolls are going to beat the New York Jets this year. It uh, sure does. Oh, wait, 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 wait. My high school team could beat the New York Jets. Give us a fair <laughs> one. Ballad. All, all right. right, all right, all right. Uh, let's talk uh, a little bit. You want to talk about storylines, top storylines going into the season? Let's. Yeah, I'll let you start. Or – Let's look. We can really start. All right. We, we, Tate, Tate seems like he wanted to fire off some Tate takes. is ready to go, uh, i got to say. <laughs> All right. My first one is this. I am anxious to see what is advertised as the new and improved Jalen Hurts. Uh, we all know he was held sort of under wraps, uh, not pretty much allowed to make any mistakes. Just I don't want to say game manager because he was the SEC player of the year and made a ton of plays. So you can't say he was a game manager when he did, but he did. But nevertheless, he was not allowed to uh, do a lot of things that could have caused problems with a full year to develop. I want to see if he can hit the dip. Basically, I want to see if he can hit the deep ball with consistency. this Florida State game is probably not where we're going to find that out, uh, given their strength in the secondary. So, uh, but but as the season progresses, I do want to know what he can do uh, with the deep ball and whether he can be accurate, and uh, you know, and whether he actually takes his reads now instead of just taking off and you know when he, when when he senses the slightest bit of pressure. Uh, what's your first take, bro? I your your first point overlaps very well with mine because. Uh, we are now entering year one of the Brian Dable experiment at Alabama. Right. I think I'm saying that right, uh, which is a real bummer because, uh, you know, that, that last name, D-A-B-O-L-L, could have gone a lot of fun ways. you got Dabal, right. as in run Dabal. the dam. Uh, right. <laughs> you, you've got Dabble. You've got Dabol. It could have been fun. And, and so I've got to say, I, have, I, I begin the year with extreme concerns about his creativity, uh, as a play as a play caller, strictly based on the pronunciation of his last name, uh, but you know Saban in the offseason spoke a good bit about how he was uh, sort of disappointed in the way Jalen was isolated or well insulated uh, and not challenged throughout the year to grow some, and I think we'll see uh, we'll see that fix this year. All right. Uh, number two for me is Tuscaloosa Kicker Aids. We all know it's real and it's not spectacular. Freshman Joseph Bulifus is competing with senior Andy Papanastos. Uh, the senior at A-Day missed attempts from 31 and 38 yards. I'm told also that reporters are not allowed to watch special teams drills, perhaps to protect them from the blindness. Um, and I've also told J.K. Scott maybe taking some field goals. So I really uh, am anxious to see <coughs> how Tuscaloosa kicker age unfolds as the season progresses. What about your second one? 
I, I am. That one is just scary to me, so I'm going to not touch that and go to something that's somewhat less scary, I guess, uh, which is Tide players getting shot. Uh, nice. This is breaking today that Tide D-line expected starter Raekwon Davis was shot outside Bar 17 uh, last night, which is a uh, friend of the program, Wet Kelly's favorite hangout, I got to say. It- it and, is. Uh, I can I can update you on that. By the way, oh please apparently, do. Let's hear it. Oh uh, yeah. Well, two two things. Number one, apparently they were showing the fight for five bucks, and what man would not show up for a the fight for five yeah, bucks? Yeah, that's fair. But number two, there is com- there are conflicting stories. One, there is a t- story that he was shot at the bar itself. Number two, there is a story that he was shot at a gas station. Nevertheless, a gas on. station. Okay, did not know that, yeah. but that's the kind of takes uh, you can expect here at H Tooth Heroes. Uh, I'll just point this out, though. I think it may be a uh, an encouraging trend because if you'll recall, August thirty first, two thousand and nine, uh, one Brandon Dedrick also shot before the, the opening. <laughs> and of the what season. happened at the end of that season? Yeah, Tide went on to an undefeated season and won won the Rose Bowl. So it who knows pays what, what to gets shot. <laughs> I'm just saying it pays. I, listen, I don't want to butt in you guys, and I, I okay, was trying what? to hang out on the Bama stuff, but I just want to make sure I heard correctly the phrase, and I quote, it pays to get shot, end quote. <laughs> if titles matter to you, son. Nowhere but nowhere but the gumps. Nobody was, else but the gumps. Only, it was only a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you get shots like it pays to get shot, and – Monty Python quotes here on the hey, podcast. If it's it, good if stuff. it ends up with a trophy, a flesh wound doesn't matter. Number no, three I, I, for me is attitude. We heard last year's team had something of a chip on its shoulder, expecting that the title belonged to them. And where have we heard that before? Until Clemson showed up and took it from them. So the question is, do they want it this year? The talent's there this year. The talent's there every year. We say that every year. They absolutely have the power to blow out every team on their schedule with the exception of Florida State, who they have the power to beat. Uh, The question is, do they want to do it this year? Uh, So, you know, I don't know. They have the capability to do it. Uh, They also have the capability to lose four games if they don't bring their best game. So I don't know. Uh, when you have players admitting that last year that's the reason we did not perform at our highest level is we thought it should be handed to us, you make makes you wonder uh, what the motivation is going to be this year. Maybe a year off from a title does it for you. I don't know. And what's your third one, Mr. Mess? Well, I'll, I'll just agree with you quickly. I think we will have a very good answer to that question uh, after Saturday's game. So I hope it's, I hope it's a positive one. Uh, last for me is – Watching the O-line this year, and, and especially just watching the left tackle, because with, <laughs> with, with Cam Robinson gone, I think it means one less false start per game, and that's, that's well, progress in my book. So that's all I got there. Exactly. All right. Uh, you got rapid fire? Let's see. Yes, we do. Uh, I have added a list. Or I'm not. I'm not referring what's coming out of Tate's butt right now. I'm talking about rapid fire questions. Oh, oh, that's a child. I thought that was Colin Coward in the background. Oh, nice, nice. No, a little premature elocution here with Gregory B. Dawkins. Uh, I'm just going to throw out a quick kind of. uh, Let's call it five, six questions. Want to get your gut gut response to each? All right. All right. 
All right. Do we see Tua week one? No. Do we see Tua week two? Yes. How many running backs do we see in week one? Uh, Talking four carries. Four if you count Jalen Hurts. Ooh, okay. I will remind you that Damian Harris is the returning leading rusher from last year. Who leads the team in rushing versus FSU? It's bow time! All right. Over, under on receptions for one freshman Jerry Judy, two and a half. Over. Are you there, Gregory? I said over. Oh, I missed that. Okay, thank you. Uh, Lastly, sometime in the near future, Tide Athletic Director Greg Byrne kidnaps you and with a gun to your head places the fate of our program in your stocky little fingers with one simple question. Dabo or Jimbo? Roll Dabo. Mm. Thank you. Mm. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Dabo, I'll tell you why. One team has finished – well, two teams have finished in the top five in the past five years. One is your Alabama Crimson Tide. The second is Clemson. Ball don't lie, I guess. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Rings don't lie. Uh, right. You know, he, he's a clown. Can, can I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just I, – I want to know. I want to throw out one question from the, from the non-Bama perspective here. Uh, obviously, Saban leaves behind the pedestal, the bar by which all other college football teams are being held, and I'm happy to admit that. But Dabo's got a pretty sweet thing going on in Clemson, and they're bending over backwards to give him everything he wants. Outside of money, do you guys think you can throw enough at him to talk him out of South Carolina? Dabo will come home. Agreed. Okay, even so, so you think he would be able to shape Saban's program into Dabo's program, and it would be something that it, 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 it's uh, enough of a potential that he would leave what is already Dabo's program to See, remake okay. another program. Let me explain this to someone who does not understand you. Uh, the, the, not in, not <laughs> inside the pro- well. No, it's not. You, you're just not an Alabama guy. My pro- the, the problem with Dabo is not Dabo's winning. The problem with Dabo is Dabo is a clown, uh, but and that is what turns every Alabama person at, not against Dabo. We all wish Dabo well, but it's a cultural fit, and whether it's Dabo is serious enough and too, you know, we've our two big winners are Bryant and Saban, and those people are not dancing, you know, after games. So it's a cultural fit, not a win fit for Alabama fans. And I think it might take some getting used to, but I'll be honest with you, Alabama fans will get used to anything if you, right, bring, them, was, if, if you bring them 10 wins a year. They don't care what you do on your off time. And that was my thought. I mean, who cares if the guy's kind of a goofball if he's winning USCC titles and national championships? You can, <laughs> yeah. He can come out dressed as an actual clown if he wants, if he's winning care. national championships. I do not care if he is nude from the waist down. If he's winning titles, I don't care. And I think that's the problem. It will take a couple of years of Dab- getting used to Dabo the Clown, but Dabo the Clown will be fine if Dabo the Clown wins 11 games. So it doesn't matter. Um, also, my, I followed you guys on Twitter long enough to know that you're all full of crap and you're not that serious. No, we're not. All right, all right. Well, speaking of clowns, uh, I'm excited 
to introduce a new segment this year. You know, every year uh, we, we try to bring the listener something hot and fresh and following in the legacy of what are those and what did Stingray do this week and all the other classic segments of podcasting history that you've heard here on H2 Heroes, I am proud to introduce the donkey of the decade of the week. And uh, stick with me here, some context. So this is based His on a... T- idea, not mine. Well, <laughs> I'll take all the credit when the awards start, start piling up here, Gregory. This is based on a 2016 Ryan Anderson tweet, Daphne's own Ryan Anderson. Uh, it was after the Five Tennessee one. game of last year, late night tweet. Uh, it was the game that Vol, Jonathan Kongbo, had said the Vols would win. Uh, and so, when reminded of that post game, Ryan Anderson said, "Who is Jonathan Kongbo?" A great question. And a a loyal Bama fan on Twitter responded with the picture uh, that Kongbo posted before the 2016 season uh, that showed him in a workout room in front of a whiteboard that said, "Bama, we coming." To which Ryan Anderson responded only, "Donkey of the decade." So, again, that was October 16th, 2016, which means technically uh, Sir Jonathan Kongbo retains that title until midnight of October 16th, 2026. Uh, But given that that's a long time from now and that I suspect the tied winning streak against Tennessee will still be alive and well on that date, uh, we're going to introduce a donkey of the decade of the week here on the podcast every season. I couldn't tell if that was Greg or uh, or the baby. No, I'm making donkey <laughs> noises up in here, son. It's funny gotcha, how okay. many times I, I question that myself. Uh, <laughs> so th- these will uh, become hotter takes, I suspect, mid-season. But, Greg, do you have an off-season donkey of the decade of the week? Our off-season donkey of the decade of the week. Um, Gosh, does it have to be a tied donkey? It does not because Raekwon up in the club, up in the club, getting shot. It's pretty donkey. It, it's it is semi donkey. I'll agree, but this can that is awfully gonna, donkey. Has anybody else? Did anybody else get arrested in the off season? They had to have. We always have several. There was the Deshaun Hand incident, but okay. Uh, what, who among us hadn't been passed out in our car outside the strip? I don't really no, care. About yeah, that. I would. I, I would actually offer that the TPD. Uh, would be a good donkey of the decade of the week. TPD is a good donkey of the decade of the week for arresting Deshaun Hand <laughs> for being passed out in his car, which is what a responsible grown man does when he's been overserved at a at a, uh, a, a nightclub up on the strip. That's what you did. I agree. And Gregory, since we have someone with legal expertise on the on the program, I was told that? that the way to get around that is to leave your keys in the trunk. Well, your keys. All right, just. Here's our legal segment of the week. Burr, 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 burr. Um, all right, yes. Here's what you do to avoid your DUI, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes, the trunk is a good spot. What you have to, what they have to prove is that you're an actual physical control of your vehicle, which means that your keys, if they are in the ignition, whether that ignition is turned on or off, it means that you're potentially going to use that vehicle to drive on the highways of the great state of Alabama and endanger hundreds of thousands. 
Um, so what you need to do when you have been overserved by some uh, um, uh, 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 dastardly bartender is do something with your keys. If that means throw them in the back seat, if that means put them in the trunk, if that means hide them from yourself, it does not matter if you cannot be an actual, you just cannot be an actual physical control or be in potential actual physical control. Uh, some people were talking about constructive possession when the thing was going on. Constructive possession is a, is a, is a drug terminology. I don't know who the hell they think they are. I'm fine. Actual physical, yeah. Actual physical control is what you're talking about here. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so do something with your keys. Ideally, the trunk. Do not be able to get to your keys if you find yourself liquored up and passed out in the front seat of your car. And this has been your legal <laughs> moment. Dun, 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 dun. Wow. Well, I feel educated already. Uh, right. Thanks for that. Hashtag lawyered. Uh, right. My off-season donkey of the decade of the week, I'm giving it to Hugh Freeze, which I think is an obvious choice, but but it's not for it's not for the calls. You know, I think the unofficial Houndstooth Ooh. Heroes motto would probably be "Who Among Us," and, I, right. and I'll I'll give that out here. But it's it's for pissing off Houston Nut. There are few rules in the SEC. Very few rules in the SEC. Uh, you know. I'm not going to go into them, but no, there's not really any that I can. That, think of. Yeah, I, was, I was trying to think of a one. There's what really the hell, no there's enough postseason bands to go around for everybody. <laughs> That's guys. exactly right. But don't piss off Houston Nut is a very strong guideline. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Coach Freeze down there paid the price for for getting it. Yeah. Do you guys mind if I toss one in for fun? Let's hear it. Go for it. It's Hugh Freeze, and it is for the phone calls. What are you talking about? Use a burner phone. You're not a child. Be an adult. Use a boner phone when you're calling for the hookers. That's a, okay, that's a fair take. I've I got to admit. And nothing, nobody knows hookers like a Florida State fan. So, okay, let's let's go with that one. Um, all right. Uh, are we ready to move on to the most important segment um, of the podcast? Uh, wagering and hating. What do we feel about that? Are we ready to move on to that? Let's do it. All right. Next up, wagering and hating, including our hate of the week. Of the week. The week. Of the week. We that are is right, with- ladies and gentlemen. Back with a vengeance. And we're starting off with a good one. An interconference game. Another SEC versus SEC taking place in Atlanta. Uh, the much maligned on this, pro- on this program and hated in general Tennessee Vols are facing off against the Georgia Tech Bees? It's a bees. bees here, I think. Uh, yeah. The Vols are three and a half faves, or do I have that backwards? No, the Vols, the Vols are giving points. The Vols are the faves. are giving points. Well, that's hilarious. Yeah, what you got, Rob? Who you hate? Uh, I mean, I, I hate tech. They've wrecked enough of my seasons, including one two years ago, that I'm always going to hate a bumblebee if given the opportunity. But, uh, you know, I, I think Tennessee this year, as somebody who also hates a Gator and so follows the SEC East very carefully, is probably bringing enough back to have a slight edge. So I'm going to take Tennessee even against the spread as much as it pains me in my heart of hearts. Wow. Um, I am uh, I'm hating hard on the ball here. I think Paul Johnson is just going to uh, uh, run a train on the ball. Uh, I don't think their defense the defense wasn't much last year. It's not going to be much this year, and it's certainly not going to be ready for Paul, what Paul Johnson's going to do. Uh, I think B's win going away. Uh, so, yeah, hating on the ball. Oh, that would be so glorious. But as you know, I don't allow myself to uh, believe in glorious things. I've got to hate Real the joy. bees here. I just can't imagine with with an entire offseason to prepare for that offense 
and all the heat and attention that Butch Jones is receiving there. They have a new strength coach who I genuinely believe will impact the program, having seen what Scott Cochran can do. Uh, their quarterback situation is going to be a total mess. I think it's a horrendous game, but I think I think the Vols pull it out here. All right, fair enough. All right, here's my hate of the week. Of the week. The week. God, thank you. Um, all right, Kentucky travels to Hattiesburg, the hub city, where I don't know why they're traveling to Hattiesburg, the hub city, but yet here we are. Uh, and this is my Landon Howell special, ladies and gentlemen. Kentucky is favored by 10 points at the Golden Eagles. I am hating on the Pussycats. I tend to believe that Southern is trending up. Mark Stoops is doing actually a good job at Kentucky, but first game out of the hopper, um, I think, and I don't particularly have a reason for this, but I tend to believe Southern is going to be hyped up with an SEC team coming to town, even if it is that particular SEC team, and I think they keep it close. I'm not saying Southern's going to win, but I think they keep it within 10, and that is my hate of the week. What about you, gentlemen? Rob? Well, I'll jump in. Uh, I think 10's a really, really good line. I think uh, it, it basically comes down to whether Kentucky or not is going to be able to build momentum very early in the game. If they let the Golden Eagles stick around and get confident at home, uh, they'll be there. That being said, I, I listen, I like them. I got a cousin that goes to Hattiesburg. It's a cool little town to go drinking in. Football team's not very good. Kentucky wins by 10. <laughs> Fair enough. I think few fan bases have witnessed and in some ways uh, paid for uh, all the damage that Southern Miss can do to a team. Uh, They've been sneaky good. They had a coach named Ellis, which is Mm -hmm. a huge, huge bonus in my book. They just Uh, beat the hell out of us when I was in school. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we played them for so long. Were it not for Tyrone Prothrow, RIP, we would have been in a hurt that year. So – I think you're exactly right, Gregory. It's a it's a sexy, sexy pick to take the cats, but I'm going to hate the cats here as well. Really? Yeah. Hating the cats. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, next up, um, I don't even know. Is this one in Dallas? It's hard to keep track anymore. Seems like it should be in Dallas. Uh, let's go with in Dallas. Uh, maybe Rob may know. It's Florida. Florida's taking on Michigan, and Michigan is favored by four uh, American football points. Uh, who do you hate, gentlemen? Well, I hate all things Dallas, if I may jump in with that, but that's a different story for a different time. Uh, listen, six weeks ago, I would have thought at a, at a minus four line for Michigan, I, I might have picked Florida to sneak in there and lose by a field goal. But obviously, with all the losses and all the suspensions that they've been dealing with, they, they've lost, what, something like uh, 1,600 yards from last year's offense, which was okay at best. I'll put it to you this way. Since you sent me the preview outline of this show and showed me that Michigan is simply minus four, I've set up my laptop and bet my farm and the girlfriends and my mom's farms all on Michigan in this one. I hate a Gator anyway, but uh, Michigan's going to walk away from this one with a uh, uh, with a banner win. I'm concerned, though, with that many farms. Did you go to Auburn at some point? Uh, no, I actually don't own any farms. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> the proverbial farm. It's you a just, proverbial these farm. Are mortgage, these are mortgage farms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just betting farms I don't even own. All right, fair enough. I am leaning with you with the injuries and the suspensions. It's hard to pick the gator here. I'm a gator hater. Yep, calling it my hate of the week. 
of the week. The week right of now. The week. Uh, love Coach, Coach Mack down there, but just don't think he has the hosses this year, or at least this this game of this year. And uh, I think Michigan wins big. Hating the Gators. Okay. Uh, ATM, Texas A&M, gig them. Uh, is, uh, and again, I don't know where this one is either. I'm bad on geography. But they're taking on UCLA, and UCLA is favored by three and a half points. I will begin with this one because I am a huge Josh Rosen fan because he tried to put a hot tub in his dorm room. So with that said, I am clearly going to hate Texas A&M University. I am pro hot tub. I'm pro, and that's you know that's that's America. So I'm going to root against America, gentlemen. Well, this game is in Pasadena, California. Mm-hmm. It is in the Rose Bowl this year. So I think that. Uh, to me, honestly, that might be the only difference. I, I, you know, I, we don't know a ton about where ATM is going, but I agree with you. Even with someone arguably coaching for his job this year, I'll still take uh, UCA in terms of uh, UCLA, just in terms of pure talent. I think it's probably a very close game. That three and a half line is really good for me. I'm going to say UCLA by a touchdown uh, and take the Bruin over the Aggies. Yeah, this game last year was the same kind of situation. These two teams, it was a very close game, and I think being in College Station ended up making the difference for Texas a and coming back and pulling it out. And I think I think the opposite's going to happen here. Anyway, Metsy? No, you nailed it. I, I think uh, – I, I just think UCLA is a better team. Uh, I, too, like Josh Rosen. I think he may win the Heisman. And I stood by him on those comments he made about – uh, academics in Alabama earlier this season or off season later this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I, he just, I mean, he was making a good point that got taken out of context, but he seems like a smart kid. Yeah. He's a great athlete, big Josh Rosen fan. And for that reason, hating a Sumlin here. And I'll address that. Look, he was right, but he chose Alabama because he just did. But he could have said that about Florida State, UCLA, or Oklahoma. He could have said about any uh, powerhouse football program that yes, if you if you get if you give us the admission standards of uh, Stanford, no, our, our football program is probably not going to be as good. That's I mean he's right. So I'm yeah, a hot tub and and a truth teller. I'm all about some Josh Rose. <laughs> I, I just like the anger when he picks you guys clearly to display that you are the highest bar in college was football. Like to me, that was the biggest compliment he could have paid you. <laughs> yeah. But I'm people so want to be outraged that they were like, how dare you call us the best in college football? <laughs> I am angry. That's 2017, brother. Oh, man. Twitter is the worst thing that's ever been great for us, you know? Fogs. It's a fog, man. A football only gone. What do you do? Uh, take us to the next team. Next yeah, team next up, and I haven't heard yet. Should this be uh, impacted at all by Hurricane Harvey? I don't believe it will. But a game taking place in Houston, where uh, Coach O, the Coach O, the is Coach taking o. his Bayou Bengals uh, up against the I don't know what they're the Cougars of Brigham Young University. Uh, Tiger is getting twelve and a half points there. Who you hate? Well, the Tigers actually given twelve and a half. Given but, a half. Uh, hey Rob, uh, you uh, split time between LSU and Florida State. Uh, give us uh, your t- what you're hearing on this game and where it's going to be. So, uh, well, as of right now, I haven't heard any plans to change it, but I actually have relatives in Houston, and the flooding is pretty bad. So, if it's not drained in the next three or four days, uh, I could see this one getting moved, postponed, and or canceled. I, I don't think anybody's even uh, even started to make that. I will say this. 
The last time LSU got to change their schedule because of a hurricane, it did not work out in their favor because Florida came in and stole one in Baton Rouge. And now LSU has to go back to Florida this year to try again. So uh, they may very well want to play in Houston, even if the field is underwater. That being said, uh, I, I will I will say this because I know we don't want to get too deep into LSU. Maybe I can come back when we talk about that. LSU is a weird team to me this year because I, I just don't know quarterback production-wise what they're going to get. They have the capability of being a team – if they can sneak a November 4th win away from Bama, they have a talent ro- uh, roster that's talented enough to be a 12-0 SEC West National Championship team. But they also have the question marks that could make them an 8-4 and four team that has a, a streak of SEC West losses uh, coming off of that Bama game with Arkansas. And then they got to go to Tennessee and to Florida this year. I don't know what the hell this team's going to end up being. That being said, BYU's not good enough to beat them, so I'll take LSU to, to win by more than 12 and a half. You basically took the words out of my mouth. LSU can win every game. LSU can be 6-6, six, six and six, but they're going to beat the holy shit out of BYU. So I'm not worried at all about that game for LSU. Hating on the Cougs. What about you, Ellis Metz? Thirded. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a wild ride. I'm not exactly scared of... DeCocho leading any team, but I am scared of that running back who we will continue to refer to as Guiche, maybe El Guiche, in the LSU backfield. I think he will have a heyday regardless of what anyone else does around him and uh, overcome the Mormons pretty, pretty strongly. So Hayton, a Mormon here. All right, all right. And finally, the game of the week, of the week, of the week. Your Tide, ladies and gentlemen, is traveling to hated Atlanta, Georgia, to be the first football game played in the Mercedes-Benz, whatever it's called, Georgia Dome, I don't know. All I know is they have copied uh, a sponsorship from uh, their own Saints, uh, as an Atlanta team tends to do. Uh, Nevertheless, we roll in. Uh, it is on Saturday at 7 o'clock Central Time. Uh, and uh, so let's go ahead and get started with Rob. Who are you hating in this particular contest, Mr. Brown? Well, I'm going to start by hating a Falcon. I know it's not what you were calling for, but you mentioned it. They can copy our stadium name. They cannot copy our Lombardi trophy. Yeah, you're right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So we can find our common ground there. Uh, I believe the Tide is a touchdown favorite. I'm going to say this. This game is is one that I am uh, cautiously pessimistic about. I think that Bama's strengths, unfortunately, line up with FSU's weaknesses better than the vice versa. I think that that the couple of places that Bama is at their best running the football is where FSU's defense is going to be at its most questionable. We've lost our defensive tackle 16 sacks from the defensive tackle position last year. We don't have that anymore. The one spot that FSU is going to make their money, which is ball hawking down the field and taking away the deep ball. You guys probably aren't going to go big on uh, from the beginning of the uh, of the season. I actually might even feel more confident five, six, seven games in that you guys were throwing the ball a little bit more. So with all of that being said, uh, I think it's a closer game than a touchdown. I'm going to take Florida State to be within the spread, but as a cautiously pessimistic knoll, uh, I'm going to say Bama by a field goal, though maybe, 
if Jimbo can break off one of those crazy long runs at the very beginning of the game, if we can make y'all play catch up, if we can go up 7-10 early, make you throw the ball a little bit, maybe we can sneak one away. I'm going to say Bama by a field goal, Bama by three, but FSU within the spread. That way I can play both sides of the field and feel good about myself when I go home. Fair enough. Uh, I, I'm i going to give you my score, but here's my caveat. It uh, is what Rob said. It, it is if we give up a long punt or touchdown return early, uh, that's what terrifies me. <sighs> Um, because that is something that tends to happen in our lives. Uh, the, the defensive special teams is not necessarily has been our uh, our, uh, our forte, but let's assume that doesn't happen. I am predicting Jalen Hurts shows out. Uh, offensive coordinator Brian Dable, uh, he dials up a Patriots game, man. I think he dials up a lot of uh, dinks and dunks, little – Little five and ten yards, little uh, little things across the middle. He then a, he will hurt you with the deep ball. But like I said, it's not going to happen very often because Florida State stuck back there. So I don't think um, unless we you know unless it's a particularly obvious play, I don't see a whole lot of deep balls happening in this game. And that's good. That plays into our hands. Um, <clears throat> I think he's close early, but as the blueprint plays out in this these games, the tide pulls away late. Uh, your university, 30, the Knowles, 16. Metsy. All right. Well, Rob, we had you on the show because you are such a smart guy, and I think those were some A-plus takes, I got to say. I agree Thank with you. everything you said. Uh, I think I think the Tide runs the ball with some success, which is really all we need to do for the most part. And uh, But when when we're in the red zone and the field shrinks on us a bit, I don't like – our options there. I don't know that we're going to have a ton of success getting in the end zone. And at the same time, I don't think we're going to have any success kicking the field goals. So I think that's going to be an issue. We're going to have to find ways to score that are going to be a little creative. I think we sneak it out. I initially had 24-17, but again, I don't see us actually making a three-point field goal in this game. No. So I'm going to call it 21-17 tied uh, behind running back Bo Scarborough, and maybe, maybe a little Najee Harris, I got to say. Fair enough. All right. Thank you again for listening to our disaster. We are Houndstooth Heroes. You can find us on Twitter at H2th Heroes. You can find us on Facebook by the same name. And as always, we are brought to you by Wild Bill, Wild Bill Wing Sauce and Druid City Brewing. Thanks, as always, to Rob Brown for joining us to talk about the Knowles. Maybe he'll be back to talk about LSU as well. My name is Greg Dawkins, and he is Ellis Metz. And thank you. Take us home, Metz. Y'all be good. Roll Tide.